The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. I feel like the Bills are doing me a solid this offseason. Not just as a Bills fan. Not just as someone who has a rooting interest in the team. But also as a content creator. Because a couple weeks ago, it was my turn in the Buffalo Rumblings rotation right when Von Miller got signed. And now, here we are on a Thursday morning, and the big news from yesterday was that wide receiver Stephon Diggs has signed a four-year, $104 million extension that includes $70 million in guaranteed money per Adam Schefter of ESPN. And that gives us something to talk about. Now, I already had something to talk about because I clearly was not going to just wing it. I wasn't going to shoot from the hip. Not really my thing. Though there is an element of shooting from the hip this evening. Behind me, the door that is normally closed is open today. So you might hear the pitter-patter of canine feet coming in and out of this room while I'm recording. You might hear canine barking in the background in the event that someone were to, I don't know, make themselves known outside my residence. Because my wife is out of town for the week. And because of that, my dogs turn all their attention to me. Normally, my wife is clearly their designated preferred person. She's the preferred starter in the lineup. I am a reasonable backup. And when the starter is absent, you know, backup got to come in, you know, win a couple games, play 500 football, make sure that they're all fed and they want to spend time with me. So when I close the door, they'll start whimpering at the door. Because they don't want to be apart from the person who they've attached themselves to. And now, that is me. So there is an element of shooting from the hip with this particular podcast. 
It feels weird having that door open behind me. I almost feel like there's a disturbance in the force. My spider sense is going off. I don't know how many other nerd references I can make in that moment. But Stefan Diggs signed a four-year, $104 million extension. And I want to talk about it. Now, you know that I have been pounding the table. If you've been following me on social media, at Bruce Exclusive, you know I've been pounding the table to sign Stefan Diggs to an extension. And I know that there's concern specifically about his age. He's 28. This extension means he's tied to Buffalo for the next six years, which takes him up to his age 34 season. And there's concern associated with that. There's also concern that there seems to be a strange trend developing in the NFL recently about trading away those receivers before you get to that crazy money. The Packers and Devontae Adams, the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill. And in response to that, I have two statements. The first is, do you remember the podcast we did last year where we talked about the concept of better and we said, okay, better is doesn't really exist in a vacuum. It's better relative to something. And one of the things we talked about was better relative to your main competition. Let me ask you something. So far this offseason, are the Bills better relative to the Chiefs than they were before? I say yes, they are. We're going to do the roster rooms breakdown later this year the way we always do when the roster rooms are set. But right now on paper, the Bills are better than they were last year and the Chiefs are worse than they were last year. So if they're able to save a little bit of cap dollars by not keeping Tyreek Hill, but they get bounced from the Bills in the second round of the playoffs, are they going to feel better about that? So we've been constantly comparing this team that we follow to the Kansas City Chiefs. We've been holding them up as a measurement because they were the team that sent the Buffalo Bills home the last couple of years in the playoffs. Are they better by making that decision about Tyreek Hill? And are the Bills better for making their own decision about Stephon Diggs? For those of you who said, I want the Bills to go all in. I want them to go for a championship right now. That's what they're doing. Well, you didn't have to sign him to an extension to do it. Actually, you might have to have. Because signing Stephon Diggs to the extension lowers the cap hit this year, which frees up enough money in the event you wanted to go get a reasonable veteran cornerback. If you want to get Bryce Callahan, if you want to get Stephon Gilmore, you need cap space to do it. You can either restructure or extend. Extensions push money down the road. Restructures push money down the road. So when I look at this, this is part of the all-in program. The second thing I want to bring up in regards to the Diggs extension is that money is important. Economics is important, and we're going to talk about it later. The title of this show is Dig, Dug, and Draftonomics. Because, of course, former Buffalo Bills GM Doug Whaley commented on how he did not think that the Bills could extend Stephon Diggs and might have to trade him. And then Draftonomics, which we're going to get into. So economics matters. Money matters. However, and you're going to get really sick of hearing me say this, it is not the only factor. It's just a factor that needs to be considered. How do you think the Buffalo Bills see to it that the relationship they have with Josh Allen 
doesn't become the relationship between the Seahawks and Russell Wilson or the Packers and Aaron Rodgers, even though he got everything extended or the Eagles and Carson Wentz. How do you see to it that you don't have things like that happen? Do you give in and give them every single thing they want? No, but you have to care about their opinion. And Josh Allen's made it very, very clear how he feels about Stephon Diggs. And Stephon Diggs has made it very clear how he feels about Josh Allen. Former Buffalo Bills wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders was on NFL Network. He was on Good Morning Football. And he said, if you go to Josh Allen's locker, there's a shrine to Stephon Diggs. And if you go to Stephon Diggs' locker, there's a shrine to Josh Allen. That's the kind of relationship we're talking about. And it matters. It might be easy to assume that I'm the numbers guy and we're going to talk about economics later on. And we're going to talk about all the things that go into the financial aspects of the draft. So it might be easy to assume that I disregard the human element. No, no, I'm an advocate for the financial stuff because not enough people, in my opinion, talk about it. I'm also an advocate for culture. We've talked about this before on this podcast that I believe culture is a real thing. I believe it's a thing that you can feel when you're part of a good culture and when you're part of a bad culture. And I'm not saying everything Josh Allen wants, he gets. Because no employer would look to their employee, even their most valued employee, and just give them everything they want. But does that valued employee, the person you say is the face of your franchise, the person you say is the leader of your team, if that person's opinion doesn't carry any weight at all with you as an organization, then they're going to start to wonder if they really are the face of your franchise. Am I really that important? Because they, they don't care what I think. I'm not saying throw them a bone. I'm saying you have to value things like that, especially when someone feels as strongly about something as Josh Allen clearly does about Stefan Diggs. That stuff matters. The finances matter too. And we should talk about that. And we're going to talk about that. But don't ever assume that just because I'm saying the finances matter, that means the other stuff doesn't. We're going to talk a little bit about decision-making when it comes to the draft. We're going to talk about financial decision-making and how decision-making is complicated. But first, we're going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back. We're going to get into draftonomics. Stick with me. I'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. We had the opportunity to talk about the Stephon Diggs extension, and now we're going to get into the meat of the episode, which is Draftonomics. So first, let me introduce you to a Bruceism. This is a fundamental part of everyday life. This is a core principle philosophy of Bruce and also Bruce's alter ego, his secret identity. And that is, everything in life is a value proposition. What you give versus what you get. And when I say everything, I literally mean everything is a give and a get. Your job, getting up from the couch, the food you eat, the words you say, everything is a value proposition. What you give versus what you get. So on a very granular level, 
every single decision over the course of your day is little micro decisions that are weighing out values. You're doing it either subconsciously or you're doing it consciously, but you are weighing out values with every single thing you do. And the draft is no different. Draft picks are about what you get versus what you give. And because of that, economics become a factor. Why? Because what is it that you're trying to recover from your draft picks? You are trying to recover optimal value. No, Bruce, I don't even want to talk about value. Value is stupid. I just, I just, just get good players. Get good players. Okay, let me counter with this. Why is it that you constantly hear people talk about, well, we need to hit on draft picks? Why? Why do you need to hit on draft picks? Have you ever heard the phrase, well, you know, got to have some cheap labor? Wait a second. Hold on. Cheap labor? That, that You're talking about value. Oh, we got to hit on draft picks. Why? Because they're cheap labor. Oh, there's value again. We all know there's value. We just get really, really sketchy when it's brought up in a context we don't like. But we all care about value. If we didn't, nobody would blink about drafting a punter in the first round. But they would. They'd freak out. Why? Because you care about value. Now, you might want to talk about it differently than I want to talk about it. And you might have different ratings of different things. But you care about value. Economics are a factor because value matters. Getting a Hall of Fame caliber player in the sixth round is way better value than getting that same Hall of Fame caliber player at number one overall. For those four years, that is a markedly different value, although you're getting the same level of play. Why? Because in one of them, you only invested a six-round pick. In the other one, you invested the number one overall pick. And those expenditures have different values. What you give is different. What you got was the same. The difference between the two represents value. And in this sense, when it comes to economic value of draft picks, the gap between what you're paying a player on a rookie deal and what you would be required to pay a player for their continued service to the team after their rookie deal is the economic value. Draft picks start off as a plus value, which is why it's so important to hit on them. You all know intrinsically that hitting on a draft pick is so important. Why? Because getting a good player at below market value, that gap right there, that's where you get value. Otherwise, it wouldn't even matter. So all draft picks are a plus value, which is why it's so important to hit on them. But the degree to which they are a plus value varies by position. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. Some values are bigger pluses than others. It's not a binary. It's not, well, this is a good value. This is a bad value. No, they're all good values. If you get a four-year player, a four-year rosterable player in the fifth round, that's a win. They don't even have to be a really good player. If they contribute and they're on your roster for four years, that's a win. It's not as big of a win as getting a starter in the fifth round, a good starter in the fifth round, but it's still a plus. So it's not the same. So because it's not the same, that means there are varying degrees of value. I just outlined an example. It's not plus value or no plus value. No, it's a degree of value. 
It's not how you make decisions in a vacuum, but better value is better than worse value. So let's talk a little bit about something that I dropped on social media earlier this week in preparation for this podcast. The Bills are scheduled to pick 25th in the 2022 NFL draft. The player that they pick is projected based on the rookie wage scale to sign a four-year, $14.382 million contract. That's an average annual value of about $3.6 million. So let's say you were to sign someone off the street for a four-year deal at $3.6 million. Here is where that contract would place them if they were of different positions. If they were a punter, they'd be the second highest paid punter in football. If they were a kicker, they'd be the 16th highest paid kicker in football. Running back, 23rd. Linebacker, 30th. Tight end, 30th. Offensive tackle, 34th. Safety, 34th. Quarterback, 38th. Wide receiver, 50th. Interior offensive line, guards and centers combined, 51st. Edge rusher, 52nd. Cornerback, 55th. Interior defensive line, one tech and three tech combined, 60th. If you draft a quarterback at number 25 overall, they walk in the door as the 38th paid quarterback in the NFL. If you draft a running back at 25th overall, they come in as the 23rd highest paid running back in football. Why Why the heck does this even matter? Why does this matter, Bruce? Because that gap is part of value. The gap between the level someone's playing at and the level you're paying them at is part of value. And so it's harder to extract value from the second highest paid punter because they'd have to be the best punter in football right out of the gate to be plus value. And even then, you might not want to pay them what the market deal's worth. However, if you draft a corner and they are a good corner, they're a starting corner, maybe a top 20 corner in football, and you're paying them for four years like the 55th paid corner in football, that's value. Because if you were to go get that same level of player on the market, you'd have to pay them more. And as long as you're dealing with limited resources, which the salary cap is, better value relative to market and worse value relative to market matters. Imagine how silly it would be if a team dismissed this concept during free agency. Well, just sign the best player. Doesn't matter how much they cost. Value doesn't matter. Didn't we all just bash Jacksonville for doing this? Weren't we all just making fun of Jacksonville for vastly overpaying for players like Zay Jones and Christian Kirk this offseason? That's not different than here. We just don't want to talk about it. We acknowledge it when it comes to free agency. We acknowledge value when it comes to free agency. We completely dismiss it everywhere else. It didn't suddenly become less important. Bruce, I don't want to hear about it. You're forgetting about who's the better player. Just pick the better player. That is absolutely whataboutism. Because I'm not saying anything at all 
about the better player. However, players are ranked and tiered. There are lots of players that are going to have similar grades. So when that happens, how do you break ties? Need, the depth of the class of the position, scheme fit, economics, culture fit. I am arguing for one of these factors. I am not attempting to make it the focal point of all discussions. The reason it's the focal point of this particular podcast is because other people don't want to talk about it. We can talk about quality of players till we're blue in the face. We're going to talk about that too. But everybody's talking about that. People talk about needs. Everyone's talking about that too. But not a lot of people are talking about economics. And it's a factor just like everything else is. It's part of the don't draft a running back in the first round conversation when it comes to me. It's because there's never going to be a time for me when there's a running back who is so superior to every possible other player you could pick that all of these other factors like dependency and how easy it is to find running back production and economics and all of this stuff can be completely overcome because you have the best running back prospect in the history of football and everyone else on the board is garbage. That's not going to happen. So it's part of that function too. But dismissing the economic side of the argument is just as poor of a strategic decision as dismissing the culture side. If I said the Bills had two players ranked neck and neck, but one of them was a culture fit and the other one wasn't, you would have no problems at all using that as a tiebreaker. None. But the second we get to something that throws a little math in there, now we don't want to talk about it anymore. So I'm not leaving anything out when I bring up economics. I am adding to it. All those other things didn't stop mattering. The quality of the player didn't stop mattering. Culture fit did not stop mattering. Scheme fit did not stop mattering. Need did not stop mattering. The depth of the class at those positions and being strategic with your picks, well, I can pick a corner here because I think I can get a running back later or so on and so forth. That stuff didn't stop mattering. It always mattered. Economics matters too. And what we do is we try to simplify decisions as if somehow decision-making isn't complicated and the reason why general managers make millions of dollars a year. If it was as simple as take the best player, why do you have a GM? Just have your head scout make all the picks in the draft because it's just about the best player, right? But the GM is not the head scout. Why? Because he has other factors to consider. Decision-making is difficult, and it's difficult because it includes lots of factors, not just one, not just who's the better player. If you go to buy a new television, you have a television at home, but you think that upgrading your television will increase the quality of your life. What are you considering when it comes to a new television? How much does it cost? How much does the top of the line television cost relative to a reasonable television? How much will the money spent on the television increase your quality of life relative to the other things you could spend that money on and their increase to your quality of life? My television works perfectly fine at home. I have $500. I could buy a new television with it or I could do something else. I could buy a really nice smoker with it. But I only have $500. Which one of those two things is going to increase my quality of life more? Getting a new television or getting a smoker? These things matter. 
This is how this works. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason why I haven't bought a new television in a million years. Because I can always find something better and more valuable to do with the money than upgrading my television. If you have a person with a $50,000 house and a $100,000 car versus someone with a $100,000 house and a $50,000 car, they've still spent $150,000. But one of those was better value than the other one. Why? Because the car is going to depreciate. Well, they still have a nice car and they still have a nice house. Yes, one of those decisions was likely better than the other. And the reason people get paid millions of dollars as CEOs, presidents, and general managers is because there are a lot of factors that go into decision-making. That's why. And this is one of them. One of the factors that should be considered when it comes to decision-making. Not all of it, not even the majority of it, but a factor and a factor that needs defending because every time I bring it up, somebody seems to think I'm dismissing one of the other things and I'm not. I'm talking about one of the factors that goes into decision-making and draftonomics is one of them. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We talked about draftonomics. We talked about the digs extension. I got a nice little... Dig Dug reference in there. Shout out to one of my followers on Twitter, Patton, for giving me the inspiration for that joke. And if somehow everything I said didn't land on you, and you're still thinking, Bruce is ignoring all this other stuff, despite however many times I had to tell you over the course of this conversation I wasn't, I got nothing else for you aside from, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. <laughs>